I know for a fact that way back in the 80s, Roger Ailes was at meetings with Donald Trump talking about him becoming president. Wow. Everybody thinks, oh, this was some sort of an accident. Well, make no mistake about it. They were talking about it with Black Manafort and Stone discussing a Trump presidency in the 80s. Hi, I'm Gina Cerrito, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lynn White and Judy Licht. We're the News Broads, broads casting about the news and all things media. We're here to give you insights on how it all works. A look at the news you won't find anywhere else. Can you believe she just said that? That literally blew my mind. The voice is Felicia Sugarman's. She worked with Roger Ailes from the beginning of her career and and close to the beginning of his. And you know what, Judy? She had a lot to say about him, good and bad. And a lot of people who have worked with him either love him or hate him. And him is Roger Ailes. And, and you he worked is the with founder. Him, right? Yes, I did. And he is the founder of the this media right wing empire. And he is the one that is the subject of the documentary, Divide and Conquer, that Felicia is speaking of in this podcast. Roger Ailes, uh, in case you've been hiding under a rock someplace, is arguably the most controversial, or one of the most controversial men in politics and media. I mean, not only did he start the whole right-wing media and Fox News, of course, being the star of all of that, but he was behind presidents. He got presidents elected. Yep. He also had this hideous downfall. Um for sex exploitation or whatever you want to call it. Well, and I think that's what Felicia talks about is just how complicated of a man he was because that's not the Roger that she knew. Gina, the man, Roger Ailes, is fascinating. And you know firsthand, you worked at the Fox News Channel. I did. And I had the, at the time, the privilege to rub shoulders with him here and there. Um, However, I really didn't know what all was going on. I mean, there were always you rubbed words. Shoulders with him. I rubbed shoulders that. with them. What's interesting is I think a lot of America is going to be able to see this now with this movie coming out called Fair and Balance. I mean, these actors and actresses are huge names. Mm-hmm. You just saw John, oh, John Lithgow. Lithgow is mm-hmm. one of it. Nicole Kidman is going to be in it. Kate McKinnon. I mean, they've got an all-star cast. It's coming out about him. But at the same time, there also is... Um, the loudest voice in the room. Which is a miniseries on Showtime. Yeah. Which people are going to be watching soon. And also, this great documentary that Felicia was actually in. That's right. She was a consultant also for this. Um, and it was. it's now streaming on Amazon. So anybody yes. wants to see more about Roger Ailes, it's really incredible. And we talk a, a little bit about the film in it. Yeah. So let's take a listen to it right now. Well, he was a mentor to me, certainly inspirational. He was a good teacher and he believed in creating opportunities for people, myself and other people I worked with. So it's really quite funny because the Roger that I knew is pretty inconsistent with the Roger I got to know later in life, not my life, but just working on this film, hearing sort of the eerie similarities of these sexual harassment allegations and so forth. Also the pre-Fox News Roger that I knew. Did you foresee him 
going as far as he did or taking it all as far as he had? I think if things had gone in a different direction, Roger would not have gone in that direction. They actually allude to that in the film. They talk about if Microsoft hadn't come in to NBC and taken over America's Talking, we might never have had Fox News. What Felicia is referring to is a cable channel called America's Talking that Ailes founded for NBC. Now, eventually, Microsoft and NBC came together and changed America's Talking to MSNBC. Suddenly, Ailes found himself out of a job. So America's Talking was a cable channel that NBC started, Roger was put in charge of, and it was all talk shows, but it was really entertainment-based. It wasn't newsy. Mm -hmm. There was celebrities and singing and dancing and all sorts of fun things. And I think also at the time, everything wasn't necessarily clearly liberal or conservative. There there were some things that were, but for the most part, you know, I think everybody was very civil. And Roger certainly was. I mean, Roger would go on the Today Show with Bob Squire and they would play conservative and liberal roles in their commentary and then go out for lunch afterwards. The story that I've heard, and I've heard it actually from the people directly involved, was he was really ticked off about having been pushed out when they went and started MSNBC. And he actually called David Zasloff, who was working for NBC and part of this whole decision, the dirty little Jew prick. And NBC had an internal investigation and there were lawsuits and so on that went back and forth. And then I've heard he said, I'm going to show them. I'm going to go out and start something that's going to get them. Would you privy to any of that? Did you ever feel this anger that he seemed to have welled up in him? So on the day that Roger was told at NBC that his America's talking was being canceled to make room for MSNBC, I got a call from a friend saying your pal Roger just threw a chair across the room and stormed out of the building. I called Roger in his car and said, hey, I don't know what went down, but are you okay? And he said, Felicia, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to hurt them like they've never been hurt before. And I said, well, I guess that means you're going to be okay. And he said, (laughs) yes, I'll be fine. Thanks for asking. And that was the end of the conversation. So So he started this out of revenge. I mean, this is really, it was a revenge project? I absolutely believe that. I mean, Roger clearly had a more conservative outlook politically and had lots of conservative friends and contacts. And I think at that point, he figured, I know how I'm going to get this new MSNBC and anybody else who stands in my way going to build my own media empire. He called Rupert Murdoch, and I mean, in a really crazy short period of time, it went from zero to this 24-hour news service. Mm. And as you all know, Rocket launched a cable news race and competition that he won. His history was that he started as a political operative for Republicans, and he understood, you know, Nixon's silent majority. He started with Nixon. The fact that he understood this silent majority, that he himself came from Warren, Ohio, and was a Midwesterner, he saw in a way that 
this part of the country felt that they mean the mainstream media was liberal and the East Coast elites, you know, smeared the heartland and this real America of his was somehow crumbling. It's not that he just seized on this as an opportunistic idea. Did he really believe this stuff? Yeah, I mean, going off of Judy, how did he do it? How did his background in the talk shows in the Nixon administration lead to what he created in Fox News? So I think that Roger always understood that it was easier to divide people than it was to educate people. I think he always understood that fear is a great motivator. I mean, this is my opinion, obviously. But you certainly should know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, he knew how to get ratings. And there was a piece of him that was angry at the press a lot of the time. But there were great stories. When we were in the office, if somebody wrote anything negative about Roger, anything, anywhere in the country that he found, he would call that writer and just have his way with them on the phone. On the other hand, the opposite was also true. When positive things were written about him, and they were also at the time, he would call that writer and begin a relationship, a friendship, and continue talking to that person for until something else happened. Felicia, it's Lynn White. When did he go from being cable TV kingmaker to being a candidate kingmaker? He had in the back of his mind that he had the power to make a presidency. So I think, you know, he started as a candidate kingmaker with the Richard Nixon thing. I mean, the Nixon thing, of course, that, you know, he was working on the Mike Douglas show. Richard Nixon comes in. He famously tells Richard Nixon, you're never going to win a race unless you learn how to use television. Richard Nixon sort of ignores him. And then you fast forward and there's a Nixon-Kennedy debate and if famously Nixon lost for anybody who was watching it on television, but won to the people who were listening on the radio. And I think came to realize that Roger was correct and Mm. called him and said, you said, I need a political media consultant. What's that? And Roger said, that's me. Right. And he went on to do that for other presidents. Bush Sr. comes to mind. And we have a situation right now where we have a president in office who has a lot of similarities to Roger Ailes. I would venture to ask whether or not Roger Ailes had a hand in making Trump president. So I will tell you that I know for a fact that way back in the 80s, Roger Ailes was at meetings with Donald Trump talking about him becoming president. Wow. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Everybody thinks, oh, this was some sort of an accident. This Donald Trump was sort of the society guy, and then he became a television star, and then he became president. Well, make no mistake about it. They were talking about it with Black Manafort and Stone, who wow. were partners at the time. And Roger Ailes and Donald Trump were sitting around in meetings discussing a Trump presidency in the 80s. Amazing. Felicia, this is Judy. Um, he actually, from what I understand, went to work for Trump after he was pushed out of Fox News and went to work on that campaign briefly as well. He counseled Trump and they had a very, actually, while he was at Fox News, he did go and they famously had a couple of spats, which kind of makes sense when you think about those two guys in the same room right. at the same time. <laughs> there's, just, 
Not enough. Oh, to be a flow. Right, oxygen in the room. Right. Yeah, not enough oxygen in the room. But he did some debate prep with Donald Trump and some other campaign-like counseling, even while he was at Fox News. Yeah. But they had several on-again, off-again, falling-out, you know, arguments. You know, there's a wonderful scene, Felicia, If I wonder if you could tell us about it, in the documentary where Glenn Beck goes to thank Roger Ailes for having given him his career, essentially, but he's now leaving. And there's a great line, I don't know if you remember it, that Roger Ailes gives him when Glenn says, you know, well, why do you keep doing this? You've made all this money. You've achieved what you set out to do. He said, I'll I'll I have another president to make. Okay. Yes. He (laughs) said, I have to stick around to pick the next president. I thought that said the whole thing about his personality. Was that a responsibility for him? Do you feel that he... I don't know if it was a power thing or a responsibility that he felt. Um, you know, I, I, you know, try to psychoanalyze the the recent Roger Ailes, but I think Roger knew what he knew, and he knew how to use the media to affect the voting population. If you could count on your hands the number, the handful of people who are probably most responsible for dividing this great nation, Roger is one of them. Right. He's in so the top spot. Kind of bringing sure. it back to the Roger point, he, where in, where did you see in him that he learned to capitalize on fears? Was that something he always believed and pushed, or is that something that he took off and ran with because he knew it would make the the uh, network I, I, work? I would say that's that's a great question because I, I think that he always knew it worked. I don't think he decided to use it to the extent that he did until he hit that Fox News stage. I think one of the examples, though, Felicia, would be when he was consulting with uh, George uh, Bush, the first, um, in the Willie Horton ads. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. He he himself said something like, you know, by the end of this election, I'll have them thinking that Willie Horton was Dukakis's running mate. The, the Willie Horton thing is interesting. I was in the um, in the room when the opposition researchers found that story and they knew at that moment that they had an ace. They knew this is we're going to be able to take him down on crime with this story. It was, in fact, a true story mm-hmm. and a horrific story. So Roger was able to use that as the campaign person. But importantly, at the time, campaigns and political action committees were not allowed to communicate about their strategies. Still aren't. <laughs> but they do. Well, those lines have been blurred right. way more. But at the time, it was, um, I think people adhered to it a lot more. Anyway, Roger, the campaign, which Roger was in charge of, produced a Willie Horton ad without showing a picture of Willie Horton. The political action committee produced a Willie Horton ad with a picture of Willie Horton. And so that was the more racist um uh, of the of the ads it's important also to realize that that ad buy was very small i think they bought one spot on one cable right. channel but it was repeated so much in the media that everybody saw it since this was early in in his career and ailes's career 
was Nixon teaching Ailes, or was Ailes teaching Ailes teaching Nixon at this point? Well, listen. I mean, I think that um, you know Richard Nixon knew politics and um, you know rose to become president of the United States. The the uh, the the key was Roger knew television, and Roger understood the power of media, which of course is evolving all the time. But I really think that Roger was innovative and genius, and and on um, you know uh, no one no one knew what he what he knew at the time. No one knew the understood the power of media and was able to use it politically for many years. When Roger started, you could look back and say, oh, yeah, of course. But don't forget, he was kind of the first one. He created this political media consultant role. Right. And um, and he used it for, you know, famously with Richard Nixon. But then he also became sort of a part of the Tuesday team, which was that uh, Reagan it's fascinating that you were with him from the beginning and you saw the end and you saw his his rise, which is unlike anything most of us have ever seen in media. Did you foresee this downfall and did you feel in any sort of way along the way of your journey with him that it would be this kind of a downfall? No, I mean, listen, I was... Uh, a devastatedly disappointed and flabbergasted to learn all the things that I learned about Roger in the last, say, two years. But, um, you know, it's interesting because when he was up at Fox News, I went up to see him a couple of times. And um, Roger was always really good to me. Mm. I mean, he was, he asked me, he, he offered me work. Do you need work? I can give you a job. I didn't want to work at Fox News, so I said no thank you. I worked at Fox News Channel for five years from, from 2001 to 2006. And um, it, it's interesting because I know a lot of people that I used to work with when these last you know allegations all came sure. out. It was this either, oh, well, yeah, or this, he was so good to me. He was such a good boss. I mean, I'm wondering when he was starting his career, which Roger he was. And it sounds to me that he was more of the, the loyal one. So the Roger that I knew was always kind and generous and um, and was a great teacher and I enjoyed and fun and funny. I mean, I traveled all over the country with this man. These are the days when when we started out, it wasn't political commercials and stuff weren't quite what they are anymore. And it was like Roger and I in some no tell motel with rooms next to each other having um doing you know sunrise shots for local political candidates all over the country so to have him to learn these things about him later um was really devastating to me i would say that i loved him mm. and and so to, to learn it's kind of like having a you know a bigoted grandpa or yeah. something you know you sort of go wait a second how do I reconcile these these two these two different parts of the same person? Right. I think Roger made sure that the only Roger I ever met was the nice, kind, loyal, generous Roger. I think obviously there was it was always there, right? 
But people don't, people come in complicated packages, especially really genius people. They come in really complicated packages and sometimes they do great things and terrible things both. Everyone doesn't fit into a category. You're either great or you're terrible. And we're always looking for like this one person who's going to save us or run for president or, you know, take over a network. There was some question about whether his father, who was a abusive had something to do with it. He was a hemophiliac, which I don't think many people knew, which meant that he could face death easily at any point. Yeah. So that the hemophiliac, Roger, that, you know, I was very well aware of that. We, we, when you spent any time with Roger, you knew that he felt that he could die at any time. If there was a car accident, he could bleed out right there. And that would be sort of the end for him. He lived with that. And maybe that um, somehow formed his personality. I think you'd have to ask somebody with a little more psychological experience than I have. Yeah. I think Roger was brave. In fact, that was a piece of advice Roger often had. He would say to me, Felicia, you're not always going to be the smartest person in the world. You're smart, but you won't always be the smartest person in the room. You're talented. You won't always be the most talented person in the room. You can be the hardest working person in the room and you can be brave. I, I think, I think something just took hold of him. There, there was, I, I, my, my guess is that there was this seed there that was fed with uh, vengeance that was fed with money, that was fed with power, that was fed with ego, that was fed with paranoia, and it just imploded. A fascinating story from a woman who was there. To hear more on this, the documentary Divide and Conquer, the story of Roger Ailes, is now streaming on Amazon. This has been the News Broads with Judy Licht, Lynn White, and Gina Cerrito. Special thanks to our producer, David Levin.